0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello and welcome to New Books in Education, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Trevor Matea, one of your hosts on the channel. Today we'll be talking with Federico R. Vaitoller about his book, Excluded by Choice, Urban Students with Disabilities in the Education Marketplace. Federico, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'd like to begin our conversation today by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I am a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago. My research focuses on urban inclusive education. I'm interested in about urban policies uh, and how they affect the inclusion and educational experiences, particularly of Black and Latinx students with disabilities. Formerly, I, I was a, a preschool teacher for many years back in, in, in the day. Uh, I was a Spanish um, teacher in elementary school and then I did a master's in special education and became a special teacher, work with kids with uh, identified with emotional behavioral disorders. and then um, did my PhD in University of Arizona and, and began to do uh, research on um, inclusive schools and racial inequities within that movement.
1: How did you come to write Excluded by Choice?
0: Um, it's been the work. I mean, it's interesting because a book comes out and people doesn't realize it's the, the work of almost five years. You know, if, you, if I count from the moment where I started the project I mean, and designed it, interviewing people and, and, and publishing other articles. So it's been, until I go to this book, it's been about five years. And it came in a, at an interest because I see, I saw in the research and the literature on educational policy, uh, a very big uh, vacuum on attentions to students with disabilities, particularly with a, with a race uh, lens. Um, when you look at the literature on school choice, particularly you either, or charter schools, you either see articles that uh, uh, talks about racial inequities, and, or you see articles that just merely talks about Test scores and which school has the best test scores, and then you see another line of articles that may look at some of the issues with disabilities. Most of this research is about the enrollment patterns, uh, inclusion patterns, but it's very uh, very superficial. Um, And so, because my work is based on intersections of race and disability, I wanted to write a book that portrays the particular experiences of. Uh, In this case of Black and Latinx students uh, within the school school choice movement, students from different racial backgrounds will have qualitatively different experiences uh, than those, for example, who are students with disabilities who are white.
1: I appreciated learning that before you became an education researcher, you yourself were a teacher in in both preschools and elementary schools. I'm wondering um, what experiences you've had, either as a student yourself or during your uh, teaching or research career have most shaped your views on schools?
0: Yeah, I think I mean, uh, I, I worked in Seattle for a few years um, And I remember two, two things that really shaped me. One was working in two different schools one in uh, upper neighborhood what's called still called probably Upper Queen Anne and another one a school in the neighborhood, which was a more affluent neighborhood uh, and it was a school that had a lot of resources um, and a lot of uh, um, technology and different support for teachers and so forth, but also work in a different school um, in in a neighborhood that has completely been gentrified now um, and but in that moment it was a school it was a school that was had a history of uh, racial segregation and it was a stark uh, uh, difference because uh, in one school they have you know this amazing blackboard and so forth, and in the other school there was uh, um, it, uh, uh, over over uh, how, transparency projector. you had a, a, a engine. You know they made so much noise you could barely talk in the classroom. You know, um, and the, and the two difference between the schools were startling, right? Like uh, the book of Sabbath inequalities, and that was something that they marked how two schools. Uh, in the same city could have, even within the same school district, could have such uh, a different context, could be such a different context. Um, and the second one was working with uh, students with disabilities and, and beginning to now working in schools that most of students, particularly who were sending or identified with emotional behavioral disorders were either either black or from racial minority black. Well, uh, so that kind of... Aw- waken my interest to begin to look at issues of race within a special education. And then I went on to study a little more about issues of overrepresentation and racial inequities within the special education system.
1: In the title of your book, you use the phrase education marketplace. Some of our listeners may also be familiar with the idea of school choice. I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could define those terms.
0: Yeah, no it's, it's school choice. I mean, it's, I would say it's part, it's part of a marketplace. Uh, it's a policy that, or a series of policies, that uh, enable to have an educational marketplace. Uh, but, you know, school choice can go back even to the 1950s. Uh, uh, Milton Friedman pushing for marketized way of uh, delivering public school, but they really began to gain momentum in, in the late 1990s. And the idea is that, um, of school choice is that school districts offer a portfolio of school options for families, that includes neighborhood schools, charter schools, magnets, selective enrollment, turnarounds, and maybe other speciality schools, including military schools. Um, and parents get to choose the school that they they want for their their child. I mean, this is the theory, right? As as my book demonstrates, from theory to practice, there is a huge gap. But the idea is that parents get to choose the best fit for the students according to the data that received through uh, test scores and graduation rates and safety indicators that they may see. And according to that, data, students, uh, uh, parents make a choice for, for their children. And um, this consumer behavior, because in this, in this kind of policy, parents are treated as consumers, in this consumer behavior, the idea is that it will, it will help to improve schools over time. Uh, one is because schools will strive to improve their quality to compete for students, uh, and schools that do not perform well or they have going to lose students and lose enrollment and um, maybe close either for underperformance or for uh, underutilization. For example, in Chicago, since the 2000, the school district have closed over 100 schools due to uh, underperformance or underutilization. And only the best schools would be leave, uh for parents. So this, over time, this consumer behavior is supposed to improve the educational experiences of all students and give options to, particularly to low-income families, that they may not have had before. This school choice, it's, uh, uh, it's I would say, it's part of a market-driven educational policy. And the idea of a market-driven educational policy is, is, is an educational policy that incorporates some elements of capitalism and design. In this case. Uh, consumer behavior, competition, flexibility. Uh, so they are, they are slightly different, but I think one encompasses the other one. Um, and it brings this idea of making uh, school districts, particularly uh, an education marketplace where parents can shop about supposedly the best school for their children.
1: And I'll be interested a little bit later in our conversation to hear you talk more about the gap between the theory underlying the education marketplace and how parents navigate that new system in practice. Um, First, your book focuses on urban students with disabilities. Could you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the range of disabilities affecting students in American public schools, as well as um, the subset of those students who you focus on in the book?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, there are several policies that affect students with disabilities in schools, and each policy has a different disability definition. Uh, uh, the most encompassing and uh, passing powerful policy for providing uh, services to students with disabilities is the Individuals with Disability Education Act. Um, and the Individuals with Disability Education Act uh, requires students to be Identify within these 12 disability categories. And those range from students with mild uh, specific learning disabilities, for example, a student who may struggle with math or with um, reading, decoding, uh, words, uh, or it could go all the way to uh, more severe disabilities of, of students who may uh, not be able to communicate or students who may have cognitive uh, uh, disabilities um, and there's a range. So there's twelve categories. I'm, I'm not going to name them, but there are about twelve categories. But the range is very broad. Um, then uh, you may be you may have a disability. You may be a student with a disability, yes. and you may not be served under ADA. You may have a what is it called a, a 504 plan that comes from the Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, which means you have a, 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 a not so comprehensive plan. Uh, And you don't receive fully special education services, but you still have a plan that keeps the school from discriminating students with disabilities and providing you some services. So the, the, the range is very broad, and you can be a student with disabilities and not receive special education services.
1: So what resources are available for supporting students with disabilities in either district, neighborhood, public schools versus the charter schools that their families might later enroll them in?
0: Yeah, the system is the same. There are charter schools and neighborhood schools and magnet schools and any school that uh, receives public funding. are uh, uh, They need to uh, comply with the IDEA, the Individual Disability Education Act mandate. So if a student is identified for special education, uh, the student will have what's called an IP, an individualized educational program uh, in where their uh they have the services that students would receive according to their individual needs. And those services could be from a specialized instruction in a different environment or within the education classroom to uh, having services such as speech pathologies, uh, occupational therapies, school counselors, um, nurses, it depends on the, uh, the needs and the supports that the student's gonna need to succeed in a school. So there's, there's a wide range of services that can, students can receive, and, and both charter schools, neighborhood schools, any school that receives public funding uh, needs to provide these services.
1: And so it sounds like um, if you're a family with a student who has a disability, in terms of the services, your experience should be similar Regardless of what type of school you're enrolled in, is that correct? Is that actually true in people's lived experiences?
0: Yeah, the, the core the core of the services are, uh, should be the same. Whether you go to a charter school or a neighborhood school, you should entitled to uh, uh, your individualized educational uh, program. One that IEP, what's called an IEP, is written. That that becomes a legal document. That can becomes almost a contract between the family and the school district. That needs to be. Uh, follow, regardless if you are in a charter school or a neighborhood school or any sort of school.
1: It occurs to me that families might be looking for something other than services provided, especially if those can be provided in a range of schools. And so, um, in your research, what have you found that families are typically looking for in their school experience?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh one of the chapters of my book, or two chapters of my book, deals deals with that in in depth. And and what I found is not just what they need now. I think these, these in, so so called choices that families have, they need to understand with this historical context of urban development. Uh, they need to be understood as uh, uh, families who have lived in areas that first were marked but. Uh, uh, state function, racial segregation, uh, followed by years of disinvestment and abandonment from city governments, um, and that, of course, gets translated to the schools that are offered in those um, areas of the city. Um, so, so, so parents come with with all these histories with them when they make school choices. They don't they don't make just school choices. On, on a present rational uh, cognitive way, but there is a set of emotions. I think the book does a very effective job showing the range of emotions uh, uh, related to this history of disinvestment and racial segregation, and, and also exclusion for students with disabilities and lack of service for students with disabilities. And when parents make choices, because the, the parents, if, I mean, if the book does provide a critique to charter schools, it does also provide a critique to all schools, because these parents, uh, the parents that, that uh, are in the book, uh, they have very poor experiences in all schools, and that's one of the reasons they, they ended up in a charter school. Uh, so some of them are just some of them are looking just for safety. There's some of them that are just looking for safe space to, to send their children with a disability uh, because they're being bullied or they've been victims of violence in other schools. And, and also, they're afraid because they are a child with disability. They are more likely to be uh, uh, be picked on and, and be a victim of, of, of bullying. So they're they're very concerned about the, the schools around them. Uh, other uh, parents uh, perceive that charter schools have more resources because they're being charter school have marketed themselves in 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 that way. So when you are in in a neighborhood or in a school where uh, you have poor experiences with special education services, with lack of services, with schools that are closing uh, due to underperformance and underutilization, with destabilization of the district, with, lack, uh, with racial segregation. Um, then you come these new schools coming into the same areas of the city that that's what's happening, and with new teachers, with new schools, uh, telling you they have small student-teacher ratios uh, which is in contrast to in contrast to the the larger teacher student ratios of neighborhood schools uh, and they they say they can include their student with a disability into their programming uh so so parents so parents it's very hopeful for parents uh when this come about and and in the book i show how these charter schools also are very aggressive in a form, uh, to say to say for in some way to recruit these parents and they pursue them and they go to child cares and they go to fair and and they want to bring them in, uh, so parents are lured and are excited about this new possibility. Um, so I don't think it's all a lot of literature talks about. Oh, it's because the test scores, because that. Yeah, that that has that has to do. I, and the book uh, uh, talks about that. Parents, some parents were um, uh, excited about the 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 possibility to access college because a lot of these charter schools. Market themselves as know a hundred percent success to sending kids to college um, but there is also this historical layer of of historical disappointment and the history of these neighborhoods uh, and how these schools have served students with disabilities in these racially segregated environments that highly affect the the way that parents make decisions which are very emotional, not just. They're not just cognitive, rational, individual decisions, but they're very emotional, very historical, and very spatial, too, uh, because they, 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 they are shaped by how their particular neighborhoods have been uh, developed over time.
1: Can you speak a little bit about the process of applying and enrolling in a charter school? Um, so w- what is involved in that?
0: It depends. On on the city, it depends on the state. It depends on who granted the charter. Uh, so every state has different laws about this. Uh, I can speak specifically in general. In, in Chicago, uh, if you apply and there are uh, open seats in the charter school, uh, you should be able to get in. A student should be able to get in. Um, if there are no spaces, you should go to a lottery system. Now, this it's a little tricky and, and, and then it becomes a little fussy. Why? Because uh, how charters market themselves may be able to allure certain kind of families or, or bring in certain kind of families and students and try to avoid to market to other families. Um, this tends to happen if charter schools are very full, so they're more maybe selective on the ways that they market themselves and, and who they try to pursue to, to to come to the charter schools it's different when the charter schools need to fill up seats and and a lot of the students of my book i think that was their experience charter schools needed to fill up seats and they were they, they were very active and aggressive in recruiting students uh, and bring them in in the charter schools so they could they could demonstrate or they could they could show that the school was being filled so so it, it can depend
1: And for the the families that you followed in your book, um, what were their experiences like once enrolled in charter schools? So were their initial hopes realized? Were they disappointed or a mix of the two?
0: Um, I think mostly were disappointed. Um, The parents that uh, uh, enter very excited uh, uh, with a lot of optimism and hope to these new charter schools. They found that first the charter schools were not fully prepared to serve students with disabilities. Um, They didn't have the services for them. They also found that because these schools strive to this high academic and high disciplinary, uh, high academic achievement and and high strict discipline, um, they found that those practices that were rigorous and rigid were very detrimental to their child that could not follow such uh, rigorous uh, and intensive academics and also such rigorous uh, and strict disciplinary policies. Um, And students struggle a lot. And there's a whole chapter called The Consequences that uh, demonstrating that the consequences not just parents leave to another school, but actually students are emotionally and psychologically harmed by these practices. Um, And also very important, uh, charter schools have high turnover teacher rates and this affected also the services received students and how and communication with parents and um, so it also affected the kind of educational experience they have. There were some also violations of the IEPs, uh, schools who did not provide what the IEP was saying to the student. Um, or trying to change the IEP to provide the services. Um, so there was a combination of less resources, less support, uh, a, a bigger push and pressure for achievement, more disciplinary uh, uh, and strict measures uh, with uh, unqualified staff, which, which provided uh, you know the, the recipe for a very ableist uh, environment for students with disabilities.
1: I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the legal implications of the current uh, education marketplace structure. And so it sounds to me, from some of the things that you've said, is that some of these charter schools may be violating the law or they may be unable to provide the services that they would legally be required to if they were a neighborhood public school. Can you help me understand that better?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, in some, in some cases, the, there were a, 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 a direct violation of the law. Like when a charter school or a charter school administrator or a teacher does not follow the student IP and are not, for example, given the, uh, the amount of minutes of a particular service, uh, they're violating. That's a violation of IDA. Um, there are other areas that are very great. Because what happened with the marketplace of education or a school choice is that it's framed as a parental choice. So if you're a parent and you're not being served well in, in school, well, you always always have the choice to go to another school. So many parents left the charter school. Some parents stay because they didn't have any other viable option, which is uh, another very interesting finding. Um, but... Half of the parents left the charter schools, and, and they leave. And when they leave, well, it's their choice to leave. It's framed as their choice to leave, but it's not really a choice, right? Because they have, they have very poor experiences in, in the charter school to, to a point that it was a very hostile environment for the child and the family. Uh, but it's framed in this rationale of marketplace as, well, if the parents leave, it's their choice. It's their choice. That's the reason the, the, the play on words on the book. They're excluded by choice want to leave so so that's that's a little fuzzy area for the law because uh school choice have created this, this gray area of one is really parental choice to leave a school and one is students are really being pushed out because of the practice of the school and, and you know and many many administrators told to my participants you, you know you could stay it's your choice to stay but you're going to be better serving another school. Or, or they would, would tell them, um, we'll, we'll suspend your child and we kick them out of school, but if you move to a neighbor's school, we delete the expulsion of his record. Or we'll tell them, we don't have a speech pathology, so we cannot serve, serve your child, but the neighborhood school can. You'll be better there. So there was this, this very um, suggestion to parents to choose what was best quotation marks for their child, that's really what was going on. They were pushing, pushing parents out.
1: That anecdote you just shared, that scenario you shared about a student whose IEP um, entitles them to services provided by a speech pathologist, they enroll in a charter school that doesn't have a speech pathologist on staff. Uh, to be clear, that school is not legally obligated to, to hire one or to contract with one.
0: Uh, the, it depends. See, it depends on the relationship between the charter school and the district. If the district is the authorizer of the charter school, well, the, the full responsibility for the student is the district. So any any problem that a student with disability, any legal problem, student with disability, have with the charter school, CPS is responsible, um, because it's, it's the district which is responsible to provide those services. So what, what, what is supposed to happen or sometimes tends to happen is that the, the charter school will communicate with the district and the district will help them out to or send them a speech pathology or some service that the charter schools may not have.
1: And so as I'm kind of listening to you speak about this, it, it seems to me that uh, charter schools are privileged in a way that the district schools are not. I mean, they get... Some of the advantages, you know, of of increasing their student body, you know, to receive more funding, but then students who uh, require more services, they can push out and, you know, not be burdened by providing those services that a district is legally obligated to. I mean, is that a fair characterization?
0: Yeah, I, in in general, charter schools have been uh, um, accused and and and. And there's some evidence, including my book, that I've been pushing out uh, students with disabilities. And I think they're trapped in this uh, in this uh, paradox. I don't know if we call it paradox, but it's like a double bind. Because in a sense, they're marketing themselves as these highly rigorous, rigid, uh, uh, um, strict disciplinary uh, schools with high achievement. And some students with disabilities don't fit within that Market identity of those charter schools. Um, so, when a student with disability enters a charter school, if the charter school doesn't have no services, uh, the charter school has some or, or needs to become more flexible on their practices. Uh, but by 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 being more flexible on these 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 highly rigorous uh, uh, standards that are also uh, kind of diluting their own identity within the marketplace, because that's how they market themselves. So I think that they're they're facing a double bind, in a sense, of of, of, um, trying to serve the students while their market identity uh, and and what entice parents to come in, uh, it means a very different school experience that these students need.
1: I'm also wondering whether you anticipate we'll have charters in their current form in 20 years, given uh, more recent conversations about um, systemic racism and maybe mm-hmm. some pushback yeah. um, on the uh, the strict academic or social protocols that some of these schools might have in place. So, what do you what do you foresee for charter schools in the future?
0: Yeah, I mean, let me address you that charter schools still continue to serve a large, large proportion of. Uh, black and Latinx students. If you see the proportions, uh, particularly Black students, are disproportionately enrolled in charter schools compared to neighborhood schools, um, and that's also true in the special education system of, of, of both schools. But but you bring an issue I've been thinking about this year, of course, with all the social unrest and activism against police brutality, and I think this book takes takes a new meaning on on, on this context as well, because um, even though the book doesn't Treats about police brutality, it does uh, address, as you say, these highly uh, strict disciplinary measures, uh, very punitive, very punitive, that uh, students experience. There are likewise some of this idea that certain uh, uh, people from certain races deserve to be treated with more violence because that's what they need to improve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that also has a spatial dimension because it's also has the imaginaries of certain spaces on the cities of the neighborhoods, which are, are portrayed and discursively constructed as unruly and dangerous. Uh, and therefore they need these, these schools with very uh, strict disciplinary practices to, to turn the students around, right? Um, I'm not supporting the narrative, but I'm, I'm saying that that narrative is constructive in order to justify the expansion of charter schools in, this,
1: in those areas. Do you anticipate new pushback against the creation of new charter schools as families might be paying more closer attention to police brutality and an overly punitive disciplinary system in, in schools?
0: I will hope so. I, I will hope that, that uh, I mean, and I don't want to put all charter schools in this bag. Let's say this, the large majority of charter schools in big cities are corporate network charter schools, and they tend to follow some of these strict disciplinary procedures. But there are some charter schools that know that there are single uh, community-based charter schools that are different kind of work. So I think we need to separate that as well. Um, But in these schools, which are the most schools, at least in Chicago and urban centers, uh, that follow these strict disciplinary procedures, I would hope there would be more of a pushback and people would think twice about uh, approving uh, schools that uh, I mean, there was a network like four or five years ago, um, even when I was interviewing participants, they were charging parents every time the, the students misbehave um, and, and also acquiring uh, demerits for, for children. And I think these punitive uh, measures need to change. We know uh, uh, punishing students doesn't work. Uh, uh, There is, there's, there's, since the 1970s, we have a plethora of research about positive behavior supports. Uh, But it seems that these charter schools, this model of charter schools, has been stuck in this like 1960s, 1970s, or earlier mentality that you can learn by punishing people.
1: So if if I'm the parent of uh, a black child with a disability and I'm looking to enroll, Uh, her in a a charter school, you know, in the city where I live. And, you know, I find schools with high test scores, you know, uh, by that metric, it looks like it will be an improvement upon uh, their experience in our neighborhood public school. And so I am, you know, in conversation with teachers and administrators in various charters, and I'm touring those charter schools. What would you suggest I look for? when I'm on those campuses? And what questions would you suggest that I ask those staff members um, so that, you know, to better ensure that our experience is a positive one, we make the right choice and I don't have to unenroll my child the following year? Yeah,
0: well, I think it's very important to have a a, a vibe from the school. Do do you see highly strict uh, disciplinary measures? Do you think, uh, do you see Teachers, when you walk by, or administrators or school staff at uh, uh, redirecting and punishing children in different ways. Do the the school policies have any sort of 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 uh, punish based regulation? Uh, are the services that your your child needs provided in that school? Um, are teachers experience and um, in teaching and including students with disabilities? Uh, are the uh, assistive technologies needed for your your child to succeed are the um, uh, instructional practices practices based on universal design for learning principles uh, that provides a weight flexible flexible framework for different kinds of students to, to learn together so I' be I'll be looking for for those things I wouldn't I wouldn't pay uh, too much attention to a high taste scores or uh, high access to college uh, because that could in, in in the end that could that could mean a uh, uh, certain pressure for students with little supports
1: It sounds very difficult uh, for for parents who aren't educators themselves to to navigate this I mean uh, your suggestions make sense to me as a former teacher, but many of those things that I would have never heard of, I think, you know, universal design for learning had I not been a teacher myself. It yeah. occurs to me, it's like the idea of a marketplace doesn't make a lot of sense in current form because if you view families as consumers, they're uneducated consumers and so they're not making lasting, satisfying choices, at least in many cases. Yeah,
0: yeah it's not the same. You make an excellent point. I mean, it's not the same to choose a school that go to a supermarket and choose a brand of cereal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it, it's not the same uh, process. Uh, for once, you need a lot of uh, uh, knowledge, understanding about how to choose uh, a school for your children. If you're going to go to many schools and you need to have the time to do that too. Uh, this takes a lot of time. Uh, if you want to like tour several schools, check them out. And even the tours for students with disabilities. I mean, I've been, do another research with some activist groups in Chicago. And what we found is that these tours really don't offer any information for parents with disabilities. So even you can go to the school tours, but get very little information about their special ed services. Um, uh, so the idea that I can make an informed, rational decision, I think, is fraught.
1: What recommendations do you have from, uh, for policymakers? Um, to Im- improve and address some of the issues you've identified?
0: Yeah, I know that the last chapter, I get a long last chapter giving very specific recommendations. Uh, some of the recommendations for policymakers are how we approve uh, and uh, reauthorize charter schools. And, and I give a of recommendations from uh, ensuring that there is community participation, ensuring that schools provide uh, have the resources to serve students with disabilities, that their school practices are based in universal design principles, that uh, they are uh, also offer uh, uh, an anti racist and cultural sustaining uh, pedagogy as their model for teaching students rather than a punitive one. Uh, I propose to look at issues of school-wide, cultural-responsive, positive behavior support systems. Um, so the book, that's a, a, a long list and, and, and gets into details on, on some of these recommendations. But, uh, but bottom line, I think we need to pay much more attention to how we approve and reauthorize charter schools and think what we want charter schools to do. I think one of the problems is policymakers were just being interested in uh, in, in schools that improve test scores and college, re- college attendance scores. And I think this is a very narrow and dangerous way to uh, privilege some schools and support some schools and not others.
1: And if readers could have just one takeaway from the book, what would you hope it would be? A couple of things that I think
0: people should take away from my book. One is that uh, this idea of uh, a school choice is not um, the idea that parents and consumers can make informed decisions uh, and school choice. I think it's it's not such, we cannot take it such as a cognitive and individual choice phenomenon, but we need to look at how um, the history of the neighborhoods where parents live and their history of emotions and relationship with these neighborhoods play a role in selecting schools and, and being enticed by charter schools. I think that, that's an important message of the book, and particularly looking at the intersections of race and disability, how parents who have been, uh, who have experienced racial segregation, but also uh, segregation in terms of disability in schools and lack of resources for students with disabilities perceive neighbor, neighborhood schools very differently than, than other parents. Um, and another important uh, message, I think, is that we need to move away from these uh, punitive system in in charter schools for uh, students with disabilities and 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 black and Latin experience in general uh, and we need to move into a more uh, um, justice based cultural sustaining and universally designed uh, uh, system of practices uh, where students can um, enter the door without having to leave their identities and they're not being punished for who they are, but actually they are being that identities are being sustained and, and developing in a healthy way. And finally, I think we need to improve all schools. Um, if we would have great neighborhood schools, we wouldn't be talking about school choice. So we need, we need to continue to uh, resource and, and think the ways that uh, students with disabilities are served in, in all schools, not just charter schools.
1: What are three other books you might recommend to our listeners who have enjoyed our conversation and enjoy Excluded by Choice?
0: Um, Ghost in the Schoolyard, a book by Eve Iwin. I would recommend um, Cultural Sustaining Pedagogies by Django Paris and Sally Alim. I would recommend also a classic like Savage Inequalities, uh, talking about differences in a school by COSOL. Uh,
1: Finally, can you tell us a little bit about your next project and how we can follow your work? Yeah,
0: so uh, my, my next project, uh, we are analyzing the data right now. And we did uh, a similar study, but we focused more on how parents made choices. And we didn't focus only on uh, Latinx and on Black students, but we focus on uh, a more... Uh, wide range of racial, uh, parents with uh, wide range of racial background, uh, and also different areas of the city. So we're trying to understand how disability, race, and geographical location interact uh, to shape how parents make choices about schools.
1: Federico, uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, As a teacher who's worked in both district and charter schools, um, I know how important it is, and I want to thank you for being on our show today.